countdown for blastoff. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Hi, this is Carl Amari, and welcome to episode 22 of Radio Rarities, the weekly podcast series that examines unique episodes from the golden age of radio. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. This week, we have a show in which the two stars are absent. It's a very interesting episode of my favorite series, Boston Blackie. And yes, both Dick Colmar and Leslie Woods are playing hooky. They portrayed Boston Blackie and his gal pal, Mary Wesley. Before we tell our listeners about this unique adventure of Boston Blackie, let's briefly revisit the history of the character and radio series. Boston Blackie was the nickname of fictional character John Dawson, a thief and con man created by former newspaper reporter Jack Boyle. In the early 1900s, Boyle was serving time in a Colorado prison writing under the pen name number 6606. In 1914, Boyle's character appeared in the prestigious periodical The American Magazine. From 1917 to 1919, Boston Blackie stories also appeared in the Red Book magazine. From 1918 until 1927, Boston Blackie could be seen, but not heard, in a series of Boston Blackie silent films. Then in 1941, Columbia Pictures released the first Boston Blackie talkie, Meet Boston Blackie. This film, in which Blackie was a reformed criminal, and 13 additional features all starred Chester Morris. In 1944, Morris starred in the first Boston Blackie radio series, which was produced in Hollywood. It was a 13-week summer replacement for the Amos and Andy show. With the same sponsor, Lever Brothers, promoting Rinso Soap. And the same announcer, one of radio's best, Harlow Wilcox, delivering the commercials. When that 1944 summer season of Boston Blackie ended, there was talk of a new series returning in the fall, but Morris was unable to continue as the lead due to his film commitments. And Lever Brothers was unable to negotiate another time slot for the series, so the program's producer and rights holder, Frederick Ziv, opted to create a syndicated series in New York. Defeating some stiff competition from fellow actors, Dick Kalmar won the part. This new role as Boston Blackie was another feather in Kalmar's entertainment cap. He and his columnist wife, Dorothy Kilgallen, had a very popular daily morning radio show on New York's WOR called Breakfast with Dorothy and Dick. Kalmar had previously starred in two Broadway plays, Knickerbocker Holiday and Too Many Girls. He would later produce several plays, including Early to Bed and Our are you with it? Kalmar's Boston Blackie series was also broadcast via station WOR. It debuted April 11, 1945, sponsored by R&H Beer. A new character, Nurse Mary Wesley, was introduced in that first episode, who would soon become Blackie's Gal Friday. She was not in the Columbia Picture Films, nor the 1944 summer season, which featured Chester Morris. Mary was portrayed by New York-based actress Leslie Woods. She had also performed on Broadway in 
an excursion and revelation, among others. And had roles in numerous radio daytime serials, including Backstage Wife and Bright Horizon. The regular recurring characters in the Boston Blackie series were Homicide Inspector Faraday and Blackie's friend Shorty. Both were continued from the 1944 summer season. Except on a couple of occasions, Dick Kalmar and Leslie Woods appeared together in every episode during the two years leading up to the 1947 adventure we're about to present. The episode you're about to hear does not have Blackie or Mary on it. So how did the case get solved? Well, sit back, relax, and let's listen to this unique Boston Blackie episode, Millicent Bromley Kidnap as originally broadcast April 22nd, 1947. understand? We've got to find that girl, you hear? Hey, Inspector Faraday, we can't hear you when you pound your desk like that. You'll pound a beat if you don't find the Bromley girl, Carlson. And the same goes for the rest of you, too. Look, Inspector, this is the homicide department. How come the pressure's on us to find her? Because the pressure's on the whole force. And what's more, this kind of thing leads to murder sometimes. More than sometimes. And we want to get to work before there's a murder. Okay. No, it isn't Okay. What have we done so far? Inspector, we've got every radio car in the city in operation. We've called in all off-duty men, canceled all... I know what we've done, Carlson. And I know what we haven't done, too. We haven't found Millicent Bromley. She's just a 22-year-old, see? A girl who's done nobody any harm, see? And she's in the hands of thugs, see? Now, we're supposed to be great, big, strong he-men. We're supposed to be policemen. We're supposed to protect the people of this city from accidents and crimes. Yet we can't even help a 22-year-old girl. No. Faraday speaking. Inspector Faraday, this is Shorty. You know, Shorty, Boston Blackie's place. Yeah, I know who you are, Shorty. So don't bother me, I'm busy. Yeah, I know that, Inspector Faraday. That's why I'm calling. I can make you one busy. Oh, you can, can you? Yeah. Well, isn't that nice? Now, look, Shorty, I've got... No... But you got to listen to me, Inspector Faraday. Blackie's out of town. Oh, he... Blackie's out of town, is he? That's wonderful. Now, why don't you get out of town, too? Then I'll solve this case the way it ought to be solved. Inspector Faraday... I just talked to Blackie's girlfriend, Mary Wesley, and she talked to Blackie. He's in California. You talked to Miss Wesley, and Miss Wesley talked to Blackie. So what? What do I care? I'm busy looking for a missing girl. Now, goodbye. Oh, gee, Inspector Faraday, don't hang up. I know you're looking for a girl. It's Millicent Bromley, isn't it? Yeah, it's Millicent Bromley. And I suppose you know right where she is. I sure do, Inspector Faraday. She's right here in my room. And now on to tonight's adventure of Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friend. There's Shorty's door, Carlson, at the end of the hall. You think he was on the level about having the Bromley girl, Inspector Faraday? I don't know. If he does, this case is awful easy. I haven't had an easy case in ten years. We'll know in a minute. Open up, Shorty. It's Faraday. Open up! Come on in, Inspector Faraday. Hey, what's the matter with you, Shorty? You're bleeding. Grab him, Carlson, before he falls down. I got him, Inspector. Thanks. You better sit down, bud. Yeah, sure. All right. There you go. You know, 
You guys got here too late. Hey, what happened you to you, Shorty? Come... Where's the Bromley girl? I don't know, Inspector Faraday. Uh-oh, Faraday. You said this might be one of Blackie's gags? Yeah. Oh, no, no, Inspector. This ain't no gag. She was here, but somebody slugged me from behind, and when I came to, she was gone. Oh, yeah? So help me, that that's the truth. Take this down, will you, Carlson? You bet, Inspector. Okay. Now, Shorty, Blackie put you up to this, didn't he? No. It's his idea of a gag. Or maybe he's mixed up in this. Honest, Inspector, all Blackie had to do with this was... To tell me to call you up and say the girl was here. Ah, but the girl wasn't here, was she? But she was, Inspector Faraday. Honest, she was. She was right there on that couch there. When I was talking to you on the phone. All right, she was right there on the couch. How'd she happen to get here? You grabbed her, didn't you? No, honest, Inspector Faraday. She was here when I got here. And the professor was here, too. He said she was his niece. The professor? Who's he? He's a guy I know. Nice guy, too. He's used my room before, but... He's never brought anybody with him before, especially anybody he swiped. How did you know the Bromley girl wasn't the professor's niece if the professor said she was his niece? Well, the professor left and told me to let the girl sleep. I turned on the radio in the other room and I heard what the Bromley girl was wearing. Uh Now, this girl was wearing the same thing. Sure, sure. I went over to wake her up and ask her if she was the Bromley girl and then I saw she was doped. And then suddenly something hit me on the head. You're lying, Shorty. If I'm lying, you think I hit myself on the head? I wouldn't doubt it. Ah! I think this whole thing is phony. Now, come on, who's this professor? Is that Blackie? Or is he something else Blackie dreamed up? No, no, honest, Inspector Faraday. The the professor's a real guy. He's real, huh? Yeah. All right, where does he live? I don't know. Oh, you don't, huh? Well, isn't that convenient? Shorty, you're number one on my suspicion parade. And maybe the charge will be murder. Which is another way of saying you're under arrest. You recovered the Bromley girl from Shorty's room without Shorty seeing you, didn't you, Tommy? Oh, sure, Professor. He didn't even know what hit him. And the Bromley dame's still sleeping in the next room. Splendid. Now, I want you and Bill to listen to me very closely. I think I know what we're going to do next, Professor. I hope you do, Tommy. But Bill here wasn't present for the initial proceedings. I think we had best... Uh, One thing I don't savvy yet, Prof, is why we stashed the dame at Shorty's in the first place and then had a conch Shorty to get her back. Well, Bill, I didn't want to bring her directly here to my place until I was certain the police had no description of me. So it was expedient for the girl and I to remain in someone else's abode until I could ascertain whether or not it was safe to lodge her here. Oh, I get it. Nobody spotted you snatching a dame, so after a couple of hours at Shorty's, it was okay for us to get her out of Shorty's, huh? Your powers of deduction are brilliant, Bill. Uh, But now for your instructions. I managed the girl this far. As Tommy knows, she'll be in your care from now on. Yes, sure, Prof. We keep her here, Prof? No, Bill. You will take her out to our farm and wait there for the delivery of the ransom money. When you have the money, bring it here to me. Hey, look, Prof, it's a long way out to the farm. What if the Brownie dame wakes up on the way out and starts yelling? I don't think you'll have any trouble with her, Tommy. Asleep or awake. Well, if we do... Oh, no, you won't, Tommy. We'll have none of that. Oh, but, Prof, if she starts to queer our plan... The girl is not to be mistreated in any way, do you understand? Well, I'll see that everything goes all right, Professor. I'm certain you will, Tommy. And what about after we get the dough? What do we do with the dame then? Release her, by all means, and show her the greatest courtesy while she's in your care. Okay. Now, um, 
How do we get the money? My dog will bring it to the shack. Huh? The dog pro... How's a dog going to bring you some money? Where's a dog going to get it? The ransom note I have just prepared states that they will find my dog leashed to a tree on the Oxford Road, six miles west of Havensville. Yeah? They are to strap the packages of money, $50,000, in 20 and $50 bills, all old money, to the dog's back, and untie him from the tree, mm. and then say, now, go home. The dog... We'll do the rest. Yeah, but Professor, won't somebody follow the dog? Why do you think I'm going to such fantastic measures to procure the ransom money, Tommy? Perhaps someone will try to follow my dog, but it'll be impossible. I have trained him for months to run a devious course at top speed and to duck through thickets and backtrack in the densest underbrush. <whistles> and parts of the terrain over which he will travel with the ransom money will be impassable to man. No, Tommy, no one will follow my dog. But they're perfectly welcome to try. Inspector Faraday, I know you're doing everything possible to find my daughter, but can't you do the impossible and get her back? Mr. Bromley will do anything to find that daughter of yours. But you can help us if you give us the details of the ransom but note. But I haven't received a note. Mr. Bromley, I know exactly how you feel about this. You think you're protecting your daughter by not cooperating with the police because the note says not to contact the police. But, Inspector Faraday, you must believe me. I have not received a note. You haven't, huh? No. But when I do, you can be sure I'll contact you no matter what the note says. Will you promise me that? Even if the note warns you not to come to us? I'm no fool, Inspector. I know you can handle these fellows far better than I. Well, I'm glad you realize that. If more people realize that, there'd be far less crime. You'll get complete cooperation from me, don't worry. But isn't there anything you can do before I get the note? We've done all we could on the leads we've had. Well, this, this, this shorty person, what does he know about it? I don't know. He tells a story that makes some sense, but not enough to suit me. I still think he's mixed up in this some way. Or Boston Blackie is. You're holding, shorty? No, I had to let him go. Not enough on him. Well, this, this story he tells about a, a, a professor, perhaps that's your lead. It is a lead, and we're working on it. But so far, we haven't been able to find any professor. But certainly this shorty must know where he lives if he knows him well enough. Mr. Bromley, you don't know underworld people. If shorty's telling the truth about a professor, he may also be telling the truth when he says he doesn't know where he lives. Some of the best-known people in the underworld have hideouts that no one knows about. Not even members of their own gang. Oh, I I see. Uh, Don't worry, Mr. Bromley. We'll find... Come in. Inspector Faraday. Yeah, Carlson, what do you want? I've got something you want, Inspector. We got a tip on where a guy they call the professor may be hiding out. Oh, thank heaven. You have, huh? Good. Where? In a brown house on Front Street between Canal and the Bay Bridge ramp. Front Street, huh? Yep. That's near where Shorty lives. Maybe he was telling the truth. Inspector, now maybe we'll find my daughter. I hope so, Mr. Brumley. Maybe you'd like to come along with us. I'm going down to Front Street in person to teach that professor a lesson. Here's the professor's house, Mr. Bromley. Are you sure? Yes. The tip said it was a brown house on Front Street, didn't it, Counselor? Yes, sir. In between Canal Street and the Bay Bridge ramp. This is the only brown house on the block. Want me to go in first, Inspector? No, I'll go first. You and Mr. Bromley follow. We have to find Millicent here, Inspector. This is our only lead to her. Well, there's still Shorty. We can pick him up any time we want to. Oh, uh, on what grounds, Inspector? We never saw him with her. We can't charge him with anything. I know that, but we... Well, let's go in and have a chat with this professor. 
There... There won't be shooting, will there? If there is, Mr. Brownlee, I'll start it. My gun's all set. Hey, why not try the door, Inspector? It might be open. All right, but watch it. You better step back a few feet, Mr. Brownlee. That's all right, Inspector. I'm not afraid. Hmm. Door's open. Let's go in. But slowly, slowly. Hmm. Doesn't look to me as if this house has been lived in lately. Uh, some people don't care how they live, Carlson. Inspector, there's a light shining from under that door there. Yeah, I just saw it, Mr. Brownlee. Come on, let's have a look. Ready with your gun, Carlson. Ready. But be careful. He may be holding my daughter as a shield. Please, be careful. We'll watch out, Mr. Brownlee. Okay. I'm going to try the door. I'm all set. Fling her open if she isn't locked. And there's our professor. Okay, prop, put the... Matter, Inspector Faraday. Nothing much, Mr. Bromley. But there's a lot the matter with the professor. He's dead. You're listening to Radio Rarities. We'll return after this short break. Hi, Carl Amari here. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, Suspense, and Burns and Allen, consider becoming a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows in superior sound quality, along with historical liner notes and photos of the radio stars. The 10 shows I'll send you will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. Members also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. The digital links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 and Radio Rarities whenever you'd like. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. And when you join the Classic Radio Club, there's no long-term commitment. You can cancel at any time. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now, back to Radio Rarities. And now, back to our story. Twenty-two-year-old Millicent Bromley is missing, but is later found by Shorty, a friend of Boston Blackie. Shorty learns that the girl is stolen and gets in touch with Boston Blackie, who's out of town. Blackie tells Shorty to contact Faraday of the police. Shorty calls Inspector Faraday... But before the inspector gets to Shorty's room, Shorty is knocked out and the girl stolen from him. Shorty claims a man named the Professor brought the girl to his room, but when the police find the Professor, he's dead. As we return to our story, Shorty has been released by the police. And in the Bromley home, the phone Hello. You Bromley? Yes. You get our little note about the ransom? Yes, I just this minute received it. Are you the man who has my daughter? I'll ask the questions. But I'll answer that one with a yeah. I got your note. I'll pay your money. Only give me back my daughter. You'll get her back, Bromley. But did you read that little note real good? Yes, yes, I read it. Well, it said, don't tell the police what's in it. Did you read that? Yes, I did. Well, remember that, pal. Or forget about your daughter. Oh, I'll be... Hello. Hello! Oh, he hung up. Hey. 
Yes? I'd like to talk to Mr. Harold Bromley, if it's okay. I'm Harold Bromley. Oh, hiya. I'm Shorty. I guess you've heard of me. I certainly have. I... You got a minute so I could talk to you? But definitely. Come in, come in. Thanks. The uh, police have released you, I trust. Yeah, but they'll nab me again if we don't find your kid. I'm still in a jam. Look, I I just been talking to my friend Boston Blackie long distance, see? And he asked me to come and see you. Your friend Blackie is going to help me find my daughter? He's trying to now, Mr. Bromley. But how can he help me when he's out of town? Oh, he'll be here tomorrow. But he figured he might help even before he got here. If you tell him what's in that note... Well, I intend to tell Inspector Faraday of the police, in spite of the fact that I just had a, a phone call warning me not to... Uh, but do you think it's wise for me to tell Blackie, too? Well, if you're smart enough to spill it to the cops, you sure can't go wrong spilling it to Blackie. You know, Blackie comes up with some shortcut ideas every now and then. Yes, he does, doesn't he? Sure. All right. Here's what the note says. The money... $50,000 in old bills in 20s and 50s is to be taken by car to a tree on the Oxford Road, six miles west of Havensville. Uh-huh, I got it. There'll be a dog near the tree. A dog? What cooks? The money is to be strapped to the dog's back. I am to untie the dog and say, now go home. And that will be that. Why, that's the nuttiest thing I ever heard. I'm afraid it's rather clever, though, Shorty. They caution me not to try to leash the dog. He'll balk. He won't move. And not to try to follow it. It'll be impossible. Oh, it is, huh? Well, maybe so. Look, uh, when do you have to kick in with the ransom money? At midnight, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, huh? Okay, now I'll tell you what. Just so those guys can't say you double-crossed them, I'll go to the cops. That note sure didn't say nothing about me. <laughs> Sunset Parkway. Good evening. Hello, Harry. This is Shorty. Oh, yeah, Shorty. Any more news from Blackie? Well, there's a telegram here for you. Yeah, that's what I meant. I guess it's from Blackie telling me what plane he's coming in on. Well, it got here just three minutes ago. Read it to me, will you? Okay, just a minute. Yeah, good. Uh, here you are, Shorty. Okay. Uh, read it slow. Okay, it's from Blackie, all right. What plane's he coming in on? Well, here's what his wire says. Yeah. Weather impossible. All planes grounded. Phone me here about note as soon as you know something. Signed, Blackie. Okay, Harry, I'll do that. Blackie says he'll tell me what to do next, huh? Gee, I, I sure hope so. Yeah, Blackie, I got it. Oh, gee, that's a swell idea, Blackie. But the note says not to tell the cops what's in it. Well, okay, if you think it's okay. Yeah, I'll go see Inspector Faraday right away. Uh-huh. 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 Look, Shorty, you want to spend the rest of your life in this office of mine? Maybe. Now, look, Inspector... I came here to tell you what was in the ransom note Mr. Bromley got. He got the note? You know what's in it? Sure. How do you know? Did you write it? No, I didn't. Mr. Bromley told me what was in it. He told you? Uh-huh. Well, why didn't you say so in the first place? Because you've been screaming your head off ever since I walked in that door. Well, I'll scream some more if you wait any longer to tell me what's in that note. Okay. Here it is. Now, 
At midnight tonight, we take $50,000 in old bills, 20s and 50s, to a tree on the Oxford Road, six miles west of Havensville. I know, the old gag. Leave it in a hole in the tree, huh? Oh, no. There'll be a dog there. Yeah, I thought... A dog? Yeah, a dog, tied to the tree. We strap the money on the dog's back, untie the dog, and he scrams with the dough. That's fine. Just how are we going to follow a dog? Those things can run, and they probably got this one trained to break records. Yeah, I guess maybe they have, Inspector Faraday. But Blackie's come up with an idea how we can trail the dog without following him. He has. Uh-huh. How are we going to do it? Tie rockets to our pants? You better hurry, Mr. Bromley. It's almost midnight. We yes, want to release Inspector. the dog here right on the dot of 12. It's almost done, Inspector Faraday. My, my hands are shaking so I can hardly... There. Seems secure enough. Good. Now, here's where we start fooling these guys. How, Inspector? We'll never be able to follow this dog by trying to run after it. No. But we can do something so we can watch where he goes. Now, look around you, Mr. Bromley. What do you see? Well, nothing but darkness. Yeah, pitch darkness. But in that darkness are hills. Pretty high hills, too. I have men posted on the top of nearly every hill in the vicinity. Will they be able to see the dog? No, they won't be able to see the dog, even using binoculars. That is, not as the dog is now. Shorty, do you have that can of luminous paint? Yeah, sure, it's right here, Inspector. I'm putting it on the dog's tail now. Oh, now I see what you're going to do. Put some on the dog's sides, too, Shorty. A nice wide band of it, huh? Yeah, I'm doing that right now. Say, this paint won't hurt him, will it? No, I checked into that. The stuff's non-poisonous. Good. We'll get it off after it's served its purpose. What happens now? Do your men watch the dog through binoculars and then go to wherever the dog stops? No. They're all equipped with field radios, Mr. Bromley, and they'll radio the dog's progress and eventual destination right here to us. Let the dog go, Shorty. Okay, boy. Now go home. He's loose. Go on, scram, puppy. Have a good run, boy. Wow, look at him go. And look how clearly you can see the luminous paint on his tail and sides. Yeah. All right, Mr. Bromley. Let's go back to my car, see what's on the radio. Sergeant Lawrence in north position. The dog just crossed Highway 6 going due west. I followed him straight west until he disappeared into a pass. This is Carlson, west position. The dog just passed below us, heading up the bank of the Owl River, seven miles from the Staten Bridge. He's now heading into open country in the direction of Plainfield. This is Williams on a hill near Plainfield. The dog just arrived at the farmhouse 18 miles north of Plainfield. I'm watching now. The door's been opened by someone on the inside. The dog has entered the house. All right, Inspector Faraday, it's all yours. 40,920, 40,920. You know, Tommy, I still don't see why we knocked off the professor. Well, Bill, we got rid of the professor because $50,000 splits bigger two ways than four. Four ways? Yeah. Yeah, I have a surprise for you, Bill. You, the professor, and I make three... But the Bromley girl makes four. Huh? I don't get it. This was a deal cooked up by the Bromley dame herself to get money from her tightwad father. Are you leveling? The prof didn't snatch that dame? No. Neither did we when we took her out of Shorty's room. Now, that was all a part of the Bromley girl's deal with the professor. The professor said he'd go in with her if he could drug her and keep her in somebody else's joint while the heat was good and hot. Well, any dame that'd do that to her own father just to get money from him, what... 
Hey, hey what, uh, what's happened to the lights? Oh, what do you think happened to them? They went out. We didn't touch a thing. We didn't... Hey, I don't like this. Let's get out of here. Okay, but what about the Bromley Dave? Never mind her. Come on. We'll run across the yard to the barn. All right, you guys. Stay where you are. Car. Yeah, a lot of cops. Don't move either, Bill. Grab them, boys. They didn't even have time to reach for their guns, Inspector. That's a good thing, Carlson. Yeah, we know when to be good, boys. Yeah? Where's the Bromley girl? Still in the house. Okay, Carlson. Send one of the men in after him. Okay. Go. Go on in after him. Ah, now we have the men we want, the ransom money, and the Bromley woman. Maybe this was all Blackie's idea, but I did it just as well as if Blackie himself were here. <laughs> Homicide. Carlson, this is Inspector Faraday. Oh, yes, Inspector. Where are you? The commissioner wants to congratulate you. I'm home in bed. I just had an idea. Do you know where Blackie is? Uh, still grounded on the coast, I hear, but there's... Well, I want uh, to send him a wire. Take this down. Uh, yes, sir, but... Uh, Here it is. Uh, Here it is. Recovered Millicent Bromley, who was just pretending to be kidnapped to extort money from her own father. But, uh... Men, I thought, abductors killed Professor, as you said they did, but, uh... I had a touch of my own in capture to protect Bromley Girl. But, Cut uh, power lines to farmhouse, knowing they would fear trap when house went dark. Uh, they ran out of house, and I nabbed them without endangering Girl. Uh, who's brilliant now? But, uh, uh, sign it, Faraday, huh? Uh, just a minute, Inspector. I've been trying to tell you there's a wire here for you. Got here about six hours ago, according to desk sergeant. Six hours ago, huh? Yeah. And that was before we got to the farmhouse. It's probably from Blackie with some crazy no-good idea. Uh, read it to me anyway. Uh, yes, sir, just a minute. Uh, uh, here it is, here. Uh, from Blackie, all right. What's he say? Uh, he says, uh, judge from use of dog, kidnappers are holed up in farmhouse or country home. To avoid danger to Millicent Bromley in event of shooting, suggest you cut power lines. Throwing house in darkness will possibly... Force them outside where you can nab them without risking life of girls. Don't bother reading the rest of it, Carlson. And don't bother sending my wire to Blackie. And wipe that smile off your face, Carlson. It isn't that funny. Well, Carl, Inspector Faraday was at his finest screaming and hollering, but the case was solved. And even though none of the supporting cast was credited on air, we know who the players were in this episode, including Maurice Tarplin as the frustrated Inspector Faraday. With Blackie absent, Faraday took out his dissatisfaction on everyone else. Including Shorty, who was played by Andy Donnelly. Donnelly inherited the role of Shorty when Tony Barrett moved to Hollywood. And just a reminder from several weeks ago when we presented the first episode of the 1944 Boston Blackie season, Dick Ryan played Shorty in the summer replacement series for the Amos and Andy show. Others in today's cast were Roger DeCoven, who doubled as Carlson and Bill. John Griggs was the professor and Sergeant Lawrence. Ted Osborne played Mr. Bromley and Officer Williams. And the graveled voice Chuck Webster, not to be confused with actor Charles Webster, was Tommy. The announcer was Glenn 
Glenn Riggs. The script was written by Ken Lyons and Ralph Rosenberg Jr. And the show was directed by Jean Harrison. Kudos to Ziff for employing a female director. She was one of the few in radio at that time. It was unusual for both Dick Kalmar and Leslie Woods to be away from the series at the same time. The previous week's episode of April 15th, 1947, Phonograph Murder, was the last for Leslie Woods in this series. Soon after, she traveled to Europe for an extended stay with her architect husband, who was studying abroad. She also resigned from another co-starring role, that of Annie Williams, Casey's reporter friend on Crime Photographer. Versatile actress Jan Minor would be cast as both Annie Williams and Mary Wesley. And where was Dick Calmer? Was he on the West Coast engaging in some clandestine operation? Our crack team here is still trying to determine his whereabouts. He did return in his usual role the following week. This episode also lacked the commercials and closing. This was the transcribed syndicated version, which Ziv sent to local radio stations. Ziv had the live WOR broadcast recorded and then edited out the local R&H beer plugs and the closing. The long organ music interludes by Henry Silverne were provided as background for both local station commercials and required promotions for any of the Boston Blackie films being shown in those radio markets. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Radio Rarities. Radio Rarities is a Gulfstream Studios copyrighted production produced by yours truly, Carl Amari. My co-host is Lisa Wolf. Mike Costella is our executive producer and the show is written by Carl Shadow. Next week, we'll present the 1949 audition from radio's finest Western, Gunsmoke. So don't miss it. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.